All right, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode one of the Backyard Banter podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. You know me from NFL.com, FootballGuys.com, and as the creator of Reception Perception. But today, we're not going to be talking about any of that. Uh, this is a new project that I'm starting, this podcast uh, or video show that you might be watching uh, via the YouTube page now. Um, the, what The idea of this podcast is essentially, if you work in this industry, especially as an analyst, you get the question... Uh, how did you get your job a lot? And there's two ways that that can be thrown at you. Uh, we're going to focus on the positive one. Uh, you know, myself and a lot of other people in the industry, we get, you know, we get the question, how did you get your job? Because people want to know how we got to where we are and how they can emulate that. And my goal through this podcast is to interview other people in the industry, you know, throw my story out there so that, you know, you guys can have a guide to how to get here because it's impossible to really answer the amount of emails, DMs, or messages that we get, you know, wanting to inquire on this subject. So I think that this podcast will be a good way for you guys to kind of learn from us, hopefully take some things away and apply it to your own journey as well. That's that's my goal through this. And uh, naturally, for my first episode, my guest is Sigmund Bloom, who was really my Sherpa along my journey and really was the biggest influence for me getting to where I am today, getting my foot in the industry. So I figure there's no better way to start than at the top for me. So Sigmund, you're yeah. the, welcome. What a great, great honor. And uh, I definitely feel so fortunate and so privileged to get to this point. I would just, um, this isn't like, you know, to my own horn or something, uh, but I was just on the, the, I was the first guest on the Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. And Ryan McDowell had said that the first chance he got to write online was when I asked him, I don't even remember this, um, when I asked him in 2007 to write for Draft Guys. And I think the key is, of, of all this, is I, as I will get to some of these stories, and football's no different, and many things are no different. There's always somebody reaching down to help you up. Uh, and everybody, like, how did you get to that step? Somebody reached down to pull you up to that step. And it's a beautiful cycle, uh, paying it forward or, or giving. Uh, and I think that it is, in some ways, the real story that's happening in the fantasy football world or the football world in general or the football community on Twitter. There's people breaking in. There's people rising up the ranks. There's new sites. There's new features. There's new, very clever things that people come up with, like for perception, reception, perception. It, which is all what makes all these things unique is we bring in all of our personal history. We bring in everything that we did professionally. I know you just wrote a really good piece uh, this weekend about how that those things inform your philosophy on drops. But you know, and this is all a, a, there's a lot of human connection through here. But what happens along the way is that we all become very close and we become a community that is very giving and very positive and very supportive. Even though it is competitive, it is a, a community where there are not very many spots. Uh, there are more people that can do great work than spots for people to do great work and get paid for it. Uh, the pay isn't that great. I'm not complaining. I love it. It's the best thing ever. I'm just saying, like, you're not doing this for the money. You're not doing this for, you know, some way it's going to grease the way for you to have a vacation home on five continents and things like that, uh, unless you're. Um, Matthew Barry, I guess, but Matthew Barry is t tireless. <laughs> no, but my, my point is, and that is like Matthew Barry is one of the people we all owe a debt to. Speaking of people that have paved the way for all of us, yeah. so it's a it's a beautiful thing because I think while there's a lot of like you said, like practical stories and tips that we'll get to, we'll also highlight this community, and it's in this 
day and age, I think that there's a lot of vibrations out there that maybe make us feel different or make us feel separate or alienated from each other. And this community has been really inclusive and embracing. And I think that my story, your story, everybody's story that's going to be on here will be typified by this idea that when I put the call out into the universe, when I let people know that I'm interested in this, I have a passion for this, I want to follow this path, the response is overwhelming. Uh, and that is something I think that whether it's football, whatever it is, I hope that people get that message more than anything else out of this, is if you put yourself out there, you will get a response. Something will come back to you. Maybe you won't end up exactly where you're aiming at. Maybe it won't go the way you pictured it in your head, but things will start to open up in your life. And I think that everybody's story will have a very strong overtone of that. There's not going to be people, you know, you mentioned like a Sherpa. I don't think you're going to have people like, I wandered through the desert by myself for, you yeah. know, 50 days or something. No, it's like I put out there, I did work that I, I liked. I put it out there. I asked people, how can I start to do something? And the world kind of embraced me or, or the, the, the road rose to meet my footsteps. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to participate in and, and then to pass forward. And I'll just say this before I stop rambling on this thought. By far now, making some sort of fantasy football call that helps someone win their league or something like that is nice. But watching the next generation of people being on Ryan and Matt's show and Ryan to say like, you know, my, your first shot, my first shot was writing something on your site. That's so much more important and so much more lasting than the fantasy football wins, which are fantastic that like dissipate into, or, you know, hitting on a call on a draft call or something like that. Like that stuff is great, but that's sort of the thing that keeps us going from day to day from week to week or month to month or year to year. It's the human connection and seeing good people like yourself and so many other people that I've got a chance to work with succeed. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's really the, you know, the, why I wanted to do this is because when, when I got my job with NFL media, the, one of the first people that I ever reached, you know, told about it other than you, you were actually one of my references. So you knew definitely going, <laughs> in, going into it. But uh, I told Sal Stefanelli, who was like really the first person that ever like saw my work on Twitter. And it's just one of the, like one of the most genuine greatest human beings uh, in our industry, for sure. I actually had the the chance to meet him a couple months ago and, and really just a gem of a human being. I can't say enough good things about Sal. He was one of the first people that ever saw me on Twitter, you know, and was like, hey, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. And he's, you know, sharing uh, my stuff and helped me kind of get my foot out, you know, foot in the door right away. Um, you know, when I got my job with NFL Media, I, I told him, you know, I told him and I emailed him. I said, just, I just expressed all my gratitude. And really what he told me then was, just all you can do is pay it forward. So this is my kind of, I want this to be my imprint on the community of paying it forward. You know, whether it's me running the show or, or my guests, I just, you know, because I don't think, I, I think the, the, the community, like you said, and, and the, especially our little sector of it is not, you know, shut off. You know, we, we want new voices, new people, because new perspective makes us all better. So I don't ever want to be the type of, you know, journalist or whatever uh that's that's <laughs> that's afraid of like the new wave because it's going to infringe on my future right. now i think we're, we're secure enough in ourselves that we can you know embrace new voices and hopefully we cultivate some of those so uh let's get started here i think sure. you guys will you guys will figure out throughout the process that i'm i'm not i'm never the host so uh this is a new a new thing for me but i know sigmund and everybody else that i have on the show is free to you know grab the wheel and tell whatever stories they want but just first question i i think that yeah. is important to talk about 
Um, when did you first realize you had what Ross Tucker calls the sickness? You know, the yeah. that we just that a little extra obsession with football because that's that's how it all starts. The story really probably starts with being born in Western Pennsylvania in 1975, um, and then from 1982, I think, to to my graduation high school, 93, living in Western Pennsylvania, um, Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, what else is there really to say? Uh, it's a religion. I remember my sister wanted to be a rebel, so she told everyone she was a Cowboys fan just to show them how serious she was about going against the grain. Uh, and that's something that it's just, it's like, it's like, right. It's like oxygen, you know, football's like oxygen, but there was actually, actually during that time, the Steelers were kind of meh and I became more, I actually loved the buddy Ryan Eagles, but I also became a really big pirates fan. Um, I wanted to be the play by play announcer for the Pittsburgh pirates. Uh, and then Francisco Cabrera and, and that t- took all the wind, all those sales, um, circle all the way back to getting my first office job in the year 2000. And I think that offices were a big incubator of fantasy sports, fantasy football. And I, I remember joining a 20-team, 40-man roster NFL league that was actually, it was called the Mano a Mano Leagues. And if anybody out there that's hearing this was part of those leagues, one or two people have approached me like, I remember being in the Mano a Mano Leagues. This was like... Um, 2003 2004 2005 and the and, and and if anybody wants to take this and run with it because it was a brilliant premise it was mano a mano it was 20 teams 40 man roster nfl but it was also nhl it was also mlb and it was also nba and you competed in all four sports and you had like my franchise was the austin hayes and you had an austin hayes franchise in each one of the four sports and you would actually be able to sign players to contracts before they were in the league um, you, you, you in you know Major League Baseball and you know and the idea of scouring through the rosters and starting to scout the players in the draft and getting the drop because I remember it was you could sign one dollar players to a three year contract and three dollar players to a five year contract and dispersing out all those one and three three fives and watching them grow up into like trees that you have at this ridiculously cheap price because you were the first one to identify that talent in the in your league. Was and these were leagues that were run by like Yahoo groups and like text documents. You know how far we've come, my fantasy league and everybody else who's done some incredible Same. things, reality sports online. Uh, and I loved it. I loved it. I loved that idea, that satisfaction of seeing something and then two or three years down the line, then seeing it blossom. And I think that another thing that's happened with fantasy sports, I mentioned having an office job and University of Texas. Thank you so much. And I probably, um, uh, you know, being too candid or frank when I say that I developed my love, the sickness about football, about fantasy sports at that job. I think a lot of people are probably listening or find that I care more about my fantasy team. Like if I put the kind of skills and dedication into my job that I did <laughs> into my fantasy teams, I'd probably be really, really good at my job. Um, and then I think the another layer to this um, Chuck Klosterman. I'll mention Chuck Klosterman. And there's an art, an excerpt from a, a book, I think it was called something like Eating the Dinosaur or something like that. I'll look it up right now. Um, he wrote this piece on football that really, uh, Eating the Dinosaur, yeah. And there's an excerpt from, uh, that used to run on page two. Before there was Grantland, there was page two on ESPN. See, this is where I first I get to say, Matt, you're probably too young to remember this. Does, oh, the name, does the name Hunter S. Thompson mean anything to you, Matt Harmon? I mean, of course it does. Uh, really? 
no, 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 no. I got. I, yeah, no, I'm playing. I'm playing along. Into the right, right. No, but like back in like 2000, 2001, it was like this edgy sports blog on ESPN.com, and Hunter Thompson actually wrote for page two. So there was this expert excerpt Chuck Klosterman did. And it highlights something I think about football that maybe you respond to, but never could totally articulate that while football itself is in this very conservative world, I mean, it's almost military in the regimen, you know, like the one thing you better not do if you're on a team is miss a meeting, you know, or, you know, miss a, miss a film room meeting or be late to practice or something like that. And it's very, a very regimented world, but the game itself is totally open-ended in a way that no other sport is, right? You watch basketball, you watch baseball, you walk, watch hockey. When was the last time when was the last time there was some sort of change or innovation in one of those games that really changed like watching it, like playing it, the kinds of players that excelled at it. It doesn't really happen, right? I mean, you basketball, hockey had maybe some sort of trapping system or something. Baseball, you have like shifts and even that, you have like the commissioner like, well, I don't know. We should allow those shifts. To, you know, <laughs> football's football's this grand experiment, kind of like the United States itself. It's a very American idea of like, hey, whatever you can do within the rules, go for it. And the game is totally accepting of that. If this is the copycat league point, right? Uh, if something works, the A11 offense, you know, if something works, it will just propagate. It will just spread and then you have the pendulum effect well how do you stop that and then and, and it will affect scouting players it'll affect how we value players for fantasy football it'll affect how we look at coaches and coordinators as they come up through the ranks and what they might bring so football's always in motion it's always changing it's never at rest and then we have the 365 day calendar right matt i mean it's february the season just ended and we're probably as excited to jump into yeah. football as we're going to be all year so that's, that is the sickness. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, uh, you know, working for the NFL, I can tell you just how hard uh, they work to make themselves relevant uh, all, all year round. Uh, so, no, that's a that's a great point. It actually kind of leads me into another another question, uh, which is, and I think, like you mentioned, I, I just wrote a piece about this recently, like, Mike, for you, like, what was your background? And like, yeah. does that at all, did that at all influence you to kind of take the step into trying to do you know, football or fantasy or whatever, full time. Sure. sure, not to. I won't. I will try to. So, people who know me and people who listen to my show probably even know that it's hard for me to tell a story without wanting to contextualize it with another story, and then we end up, you know, in the down the rabbit hole. Uh, um, who cares? Who cares? Right. This is. I mean, there are no. That there should no, be. Has anybody taken no. down the rabbit hole as a podcast name? Because that I might. I'm, I'm. I'm officially reserving that. Does this legally bind anybody to? And like, I'm officially reserving down the rabbit hole because that's kind of where my brain lives. Anyway, like I said, well, look, I had two dreams as a kid. One was to be the play-by-play announcer for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the other is was to start the revolution. We're working on that second one. Um, we still got time. We still have a lot of time. Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, I wanted to talk about. I love talking about sports. I love talking with people about sports, hearing what they think about sports. I think it's an, a great place where we all meet. I used to walk around my house as a little kid with my tape recorder, and I would like interview the people in my house, <laughs> like pretend I was hosting a radio show about my my life. Uh, so that that was. And I always tell people like, if you're at a crossroads in your life and you don't know what to do with yourself, what did you pretend to be when you were a kid? Go back to that place, and there's there are lots of maybe not even clues because it's not a puzzle. Just as a quick aside, I want to say to use this opportunity 
um, to say that I think that in life uh, we get very hung up on this idea that that it's a puzzle we have to solve or decode, whether it be ourselves or how we fit into the world or our relationships. I don't think there is a puzzle, honestly. I think that if if we get out of our own way and let our emotions, I think emotions are very important, our intuition is very important, guide us that our, our lives start to sort themselves out. Uh, and it is looking at these, these things as a puzzle, uh, as some, something that you have to like really reason out. I don't, I don't think that that's actually what guides us to our destiny. And I don't mean destiny like it's fatalistic and no matter what you were going to do, you were going to get on that plane that day and that plane was going to crash. I just mean like you know what makes you flourish and you know what makes you feel that sense of alienation or disconnection and let that guide you. So something like what you pretended to be when you were a kid. I, I, go just, ahead. Just jumping in real quick there. I actually, I just, I, that's such a great point um, about not everything is a puzzle. I can't, I was reading something, I was reading two things recently, one that I can remember and the other that I cannot. Um, and one of them is Chris Hardwick, uh, who I, I really don't follow his work or anything at all. I'm not, that's like not my sector of, of life, but he had a really great article. It's called, you know, self-help advice for nerds, but it was a really good article about, you know, how he kind of pulled himself out of the dredges of his life and has now made himself into this major success. So I think it kind of goes along with what, what the point of this podcast is. But one thing he said in there was like, sometimes you just don't have to listen to every little thing that your brain tells you has meaning, you know, like sometimes you and I've, I've been there like per, in personally, you know, like just sometimes you don't have to listen to yourself, you know, you don't have to listen to that like little nagging voice that like you think is destiny or whatever. And like the other thing I was reading that I can't remember was just like, you know, not every, like you said, not everything has meaning. Like some things you can just, you can just let go. And I, I think as somebody that is very much like always hung up on the puzzle of life uh, and, you know, destiny and all that sort of stuff. And I'm very like, I'm just, I'm obsessive about that in a way. Um, and I think for good reason, but also I just, I really wanted to reiterate that I think that's a really good point for the audience to yeah. remember. Yeah. Well, and I, I, so this goes back to the original question about my background. Cause I'm an, I'm, I am a bar certified attorney in the state of Texas. Um, I've only, I only practiced for a very short time in a, in a training wheels kind of way, but I did take and pass the bar. And there's this part of the bar called the multi-state exam, which is just terrible. I use this in my fantasy advice too. It's just terrible because the multi-state exam is in multiple choice questions. And the questions might be a scenario where this you are a criminal defense attorney and you have this client and the case is obviously a loser he's going to be convicted. What would be the best argument to in his defense? You, you already know that he's a loser, you know? Right. So, so th this is already a question that it, it isn't like a, a objective answer kind of, it, it's just it's totally subjective. But the point is, is you're going through these multiple choice questions. Usually when you read the first, the questions, I mean, the answer is A, B, C, D. One of them will have like a little twinkle or glimmer to it. You're like, I think that's it. And then we start to use our intellect against ourselves. And this is like setting your lineup in fantasy football. Then you're like, well, but what about this? Oh, but, you know, there's the weather or I don't know is the running backs banged up or you start thinking of all the possible reasons you your first instinct might be wrong. And that's when you go astray. That first instinct. I would even submit, honestly, Matt, that all not even most all of the important decisions in our lives are made in an impulse. Now we dress it up with all that pros and cons and everything like that, but it's always that impulse, even if that impulse is based on like 50.1 to 49.9. So anyway, 
Um, I went to Syracuse University, Newhouse School. You can't. How many people in the NFL.com newsroom went to Syracuse? You know, <laughs> you can't like swing a dead cat in in yeah. any sports media world without hitting like seven Syracuse people. I do a radio spot in Fayetteville, Arkansas. The host is went to Syracuse. You know what I mean? Like he's not from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Right. So so Syracuse is the place. Like when you decide you want to be a sportscaster, you go to Syracuse, uh, or maybe Northwestern, Medill. Like two places with horrible, horrible weather. Already starting this idea that if you want to do what these kinds of things, well, back this is back in the '90s. Uh, you have to go through this. Tr- you have to trudge through this path, right? And it became very clear to me about a year and a half into the Newhouse School and Newhouse School. You know, I, I'm sure that it's still churning out lots of incredible people. Um, it's very effective for what it trains. And in hindsight, if I would have stuck with it, I would have been able to be you know, ready to exist and flourish in the old media but the idea of toiling away for 10 years in fargo north dakota or jackson mississippi and again i'm not trying to besmirch these places the idea is you had to work your way up the old media you had to work your way up and you had to play the game i mean you had to i remember in the word processing the news writing class you had to put your writing through a word processor tool that told you the grade level it was at and if it was above an eighth grade level you had to rewrite it until it was an eighth grade level which to me seemed absurd why would I untrain my brain to write in my own voice? That was a watershed moment for me. So I, I, I bailed on broadcast journalism, and I just studied philosophy because I liked it, and got my degree. And then I knew I didn't want to work. Who wants to work? I didn't want to work after college. I didn't want to be a philosophy professor. Why not law school? Uh, and we, I went to law school to have an excuse to move to Austin, Texas, where I still live to this day. Um, and I knew within the first, probably honestly within the first couple of hours, certainly within the first week of law school, that maybe I shouldn't be there. But um, I was lucky, very fortunate to have a, a scholarship and be a professional student for a few years. And then that gets us to UT where they had an, this was like tech boom, 1999-2000. And, and they still to this day, I think, have this program. It's really brilliant that they feel like they can train you how to code. What they can't train people is how to be how to be good communicators, how to be warm people, and how to be a people person. Chip Kelly, are you listening? Uh, <laughs> so they figured if you if you aced an aptitude test and you interviewed well, that they could teach you the coding. And they had their own in-house system that like nobody ever used and nobody used even back then it's i think they're just now I'm, I'm hearing from people i know that still work at the university like now they're finally killing this system that's like only this one company in germany like supports this database this language texas has a weird like we do it differently down here in texas so but eventually even that became a thing of um you know four or five years into that, like I get it. And for those of you out there that are IT professionals that get a real great sense of satisfaction out of designing an elegant app that can be reused and scalable stuff like that, or like learning a new platform or something like kudos, cheers, because that, that attention to detail, I'm a starter. I'm an idea person. I'm not a detail oriented finisher. Uh, so I knew that that there was a certain point of that, like I could, this is easy. And this is something comfortable, but am I going to do that for the rest of my life? That, that sounded a bit terrifying. Uh, and then it was just obvious, like, what do you want to do? What's something you do every day that could be work that doesn't feel like work when you're doing it? And that gets us to fantasy sports. But to get to your original question, um, I think that a law degree or logical thinking, um, presenting 
whether it's debate club or presenting, taking your feels about stuff or your thoughts about stuff and being able to present it is crucial. Uh, I think in terms of my IT background, again, like I think one of the things about I, doing IT is that you have to start like pairing away all kinds of excess stuff from ideas and just getting at like, what's the business function here? What's the app that's going to serve that? Like it, it makes you a much more economical thinker or at least able to cut through all the jumble of things in your head and figure out to accomplish this. How do I know when I've accomplished it? Can I, I, I pick something that is achievable to begin with? Organizing your work, to breaking down big tasks into smaller tasks and smaller tasks into atomic tasks. So that if you look at something like, I could never do all of that, but you look at each individual thing like, well, I can do that. And you work your way up. That's important. Um, so these, all of these backgrounds, now this has, I think, more to do with how I organize my work and my presentation. I think the angle that I take on football, what I bring into my work, you can go all the way back to like, you know, Matt, like how my mama raised me, you know, <laughs> or what I think is really happening here. I know you and I talk about this, you know, there's just this layer of, um, what is actually happening? What is unfolding here? Whether you're talking about football or anything else. Uh, and I think that you get to that kind of stuff, and that's every, each individual person's special sauce. I mean, you, you can convey and communicate in a certain way because of your background, or you're drawn to certain layers of what's happening because of your background. But there is something that is about human connection in a way that your work reflects in people. I always joke, I'll, I'll end on this note, um, like Twitter. Twitter's been massive. It's been like gasoline for my career um, and I owe a big big nod to Mark Folletti who I worked so closely with in 2007 2008 2009 on five minute drill draft guys TV and I remember 2009 this is when you know South by Southwest down here in Austin is the taste maker festival it's not just music anymore basically everybody comes down here from all over the world and goes back to where they're from to say this is what's happening next this is what's coming uh, and one year it was Twitter and I was like yeah Twitter it's like vanity and things like that not that I'm not a vain egomaniac <laughs> and uh, right right and Mark explained to me like no no like there's communities there's like you should try it and I think that growing up with the remote control channel changer like like what's on this channel nothing what's on this channel nothing what's on this channel oh I'll watch it for a minute what's on this channel what's on this channel really he actually tuned my brain into the speed and pace of the social media era and being able to communicate and cut through all of that with the way that we communicate and build communities. So I think there also is a layer of this, of like the time that you grew up in and being open to something maybe different than what you remember or bridging those things. And uh, I think that's what's so terrific about you and so many other people I can name off. Um, Y'all help us, Matt Waldman. This is where we're going to make some joke about me and Matt Waldman and other people being old. But it's a, it's a real vital way to stay connected to something in the now. And I think a desire to do that is also very important if you want to embark on something like this. Yeah, I, th I think you hit on a lot there. Um, uh, Twitter especially, I think, you know, you, you mentioned your background like in, in law and everything and how that really has jump-started your career. I think one thing that... If you've ever interacted with Sigmund on Twitter, you've at least once got the you know onslaught of like of yeah. at mentions. I mean, I can remember yeah, the, like yeah. 
back when we first like you know started follow or like you know you followed me i followed you for years before that but like back when i first got started and you followed me or whatever we had some discussion about jordan matthews and i remember we shot back like 10 mentions at each other like discussing that and i think that that's a that's a really good thing that that you do is you know you don't you don't limit yourself to like all right this is 140 characters like you really you broaden out you know the the argument i think that's a really important thing for for people to to learn from you as well you know and, and i think that comes from it sometimes it feels like i remember the first time doing that with you i was like like god damn you know sorry i'm gonna curse on this podcast please, this please yes but uh, this, this is my thing i'm gonna do what i want but like you know, i remember being like damn like this is really like debating with a lawyer you know because i knew that was your background and i was like i felt like it's almost like intimidating in a way but it makes you better so you know, that's one thing I think we can tell people is definitely engage in those sort of discussions and, and challenge yourself in that way because you don't really know what's what's going to come out of it. But I think you, you hit on a lot of really good points there, and I think you answered uh, answered my question in, in totality. Me, I, I'll try not to belabor this, but I want to just really quickly. No, no, go ahead. Because I know that I think and I hope and I think that most people that have interacted with me at length know this, but I love the sword and shield. I mean, it's I'm not, you know my I'm an attorney. Uh, and I get on, I put, when I, when you say like, hey, here's my article on Twitter, I assume that what you're asking for is some feedback. Right. And um, I love to bang away on the sword and shield because I would love to people to get the sword and shield on and bang away on what I'm doing because it's all in mutual respect and it's all in, um, it's like when Rocky and Apollo get in the sparring ring at the end, what is it, the end of three or two? You're asking it, the wrong person. It's a yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's this idea of like mutual respect and usually, and this would go for you that way back then, like if I'm doing that with somebody, it's because I really respect their work and I'm testing myself. I'm stress testing my own beliefs and that's the best way to do it, right? Is, is to find somebody who has a different opinion than you and really, and what might seem a bit, you know, my brain like aggressive or actually, and that's the other thing is the, there's the public aspect of Twitter. I remember the probably the, 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 like archetype for this is Mike Clay. I was I was on Mike Clay's show on Sirius XM a couple of weeks ago and we laughed about this, you know. Because in Mike Clay's uh uh we talk about Mike Clay, it's like you you know I've talked about this a lot, Matt, mm-hmm. off the air too. Like this is the schools of thought we're coming from. And it's informed by our background, it's informed by our professional background, it's perform- informed by our life experiences. And uh it's just it's one of those things that I think makes our community really vibrant that we we have the mutual respect and we do enjoy the sporting sparring and to go back to one other thing you said when i started out in the fantasy industry it was a bunch of walled gardens like we barely even acknowledged other sites existed and you certainly would never use something like a twitter or a facebook to mention another site that's why would you ever do that you use that to promote yourself and something happened i think when fantasy got bigger when football got bigger where we realized that it was promoting each other helps the whole community. Right. And for that matter, your audience is going to trust you if you know what's good. Like if you say, hey, I know what's good. This is good. Even though it's not something that your site, that creates trust. That creates the relationship that businesses are built on, that that meaningful interaction is built on. And I, you know, on the couch is, was my attempt to embody that in a show. Like we're going to have everybody come through. It's not going to be football guys and promoting what football guys are doing. Sometimes it will be. Uh, it will be everybody that's good because there's so many people that are good. And by getting people more excited about football, more interested in consuming football things, then we all win. Uh, and I think that's another thing that comes out of, 
I love like sometimes when I'll engage with somebody, we'll bang away with the sword and shield, and then a third person can be like, I love watching this, like more, more of this, please. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think that that's that's great because one thing, whenever I have these, like I said at the top, like the, the conversations that inspired this show to be created, like I have, you know, email back and forth with people that wanted like, you know, that want to get started. Something I always tell them is like be at, be more active on Twitter, you know, like engage and, and discuss with me or Sigmund or anybody else. And like, you know, you're not always going to get a reply because we are, you know, we're, that's, that's, the, that's the nature of the beast. Like we're busy. A lot of people are talking to us. Like sometimes you're going to miss something, but don't like always tend to side that you're not being annoying. Cause like, I, I've, I, I don't know about you, but like very rarely have I ever had somebody like, you know, probe me on my take and be like annoyed by it. That's well, sure. Part- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invoke Joe Bryant here, you know, sure. the great, the great, no, now, um, never, a, no, never a bad idea. Never a bad oh, idea, man. Joe Bryant. So much, so much of what you love out there about football guys, folks is starts from Joe, Joe Bryant's energy, you know, his aura. Uh, and there's this idea, like we all get it right. You know, like, um, uh, I can't believe you told me you know, this was good. This player was going to be good this year, and I lost. I drafted him in the second round with Frank Gore. You know, like I, 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 I t- laid a big egg with Frank Gore because the whole Colts offense and Gore got old at the end of the year and everything. Like I can't believe I listened to you. So, from a personal, like a human point of view, your first response is to be a bit defensive, right? Yeah. Of course, you know, like like I just kind of was like, oh, it was the de- it was the offense, and he's all you know, like making excuses already, right? But the the but when you reply to like ninety nine out of a hundred times, if you reply and say, hey, I'm sorry, we're doing our best, uh, I missed on that, you know, I should have listened to the people that said Gore is old and that's going to be a big deal, and um, sorry, and you know, uh, and this is part of like the football guys money back guarantee, like. I think for 30 days after you sign up, you can get a money back and you can get your money back for any reason. We don't care. I mean, we don't care what the reason is, you know, just be like, I don't like the color scheme of the site. I don't, you know, it's like the idea being like, this is all in good faith. Right. So when you, when you return that in good faith, almost always like 99 times out of hundred, the next response you get from them is like, I can't believe you replied to me. Yeah, uh, right. You know, I'm such a big fan. I've been a football guy subscriber <laughs> for 13 years. Oh my God, this is so incredible. I'm football guys for life. And the first communication was fangs bared like you screwed me over with this call and then when you reply and you do it in a gracious manner now if you reply and do it in a defensive manner like what do you think you're going to get 100 percent accuracy from any site go sign up for for fantasy guru and see how that goes you know right that that might be your impulse but there is an idea that when you decide to stand up on a soapbox and say hey everybody listen to me i've got something important to say then you're inviting tomatoes and when you get (laughs) tomato you know when you get one smack in the face, you just wipe it off. And you're like, good aim. You know, that was a good one. Like Eddie Murphy, like my mouth was open. Uh, that was a good one. So, you know, um, you have to take that in grace. So sometimes when I see certain people in the industry complaining about like, why are all these people picking on me? And, you know, well, that's what draws people picking on you is that kind yeah. of vibe. And if you just turn that back and say graciously, like, hey, thanks for subscribing. Thanks for reading. I'm sorry that this one fell short. And I re- really, you know, it would have been a much better call if I would have analyzed it this way instead. You almost always get an outpouring of positivity in return. Uh, yeah. And that is a great, that, that, like, that is something I really, that, uh, the why, why I've always appreciated you as a person. And also, as from football guys, why I 
why I fight so hard to stay there no matter where my career goes uh, from, you know, b- from here on out uh, is because of that culture that I think that you mentioned Joe has established and, and is now, you know, pretty much throughout the entire group of us there is that, you know, the audience is what is important. And like, if you're really, if you were trying to make it in this, you know, in this industry or whatever, you really have to have that mindset, I think, because your audience is going to get you to where you want to go. It's all about cultivating goodwill, like you said, and everything like that. And I think I've, I think I've done a, a reasonably good job of that. Like, own up to your mistakes and realize that, like, I think if people, because like you said, people complain all the time on Twitter about like, I get heat, you know, like, people are so mean to me, I get heat and stuff like that. I think you really do create the, your environment. So be accountable when you miss something, you know, be willing to go back and look at it. And, you know, like you said, don't respond with that. Well, hey, you know, shit happens. Like, well, of course it happens. What but, did you expect? Right. But why, but why did it happen? Be accountable to why it happened. You know, I wrote a piece on, on football guys at the end of the year, you know, looking back on like all my, you know, flags planted from reception perception. And th- obviously there were some, there were some good ones, but the ones that sucked, you know, I talked about why they sucked. So yeah. never be afraid of your own misses and, and be accountable to your audience because they really are the the lifeblood of what you're of what you're doing. So I think I think that's a tremendous point and something that I think people can definitely definitely take away from uh, going forward. Um, so kind of moving on a little bit to more like where did you get started? So kind of kind of hit on that. Like what was yeah, your yeah. first opportunity yeah. in the business? and how did you get it? Yada yada. And it's still kind of like this. So I was I mean I'm not a very aggressive person. At the time, back in 2004, my friend Rob Harling, my good friend Rob Harling, showed us all the site, footballguys.com. And it really cut through what little fantasy analysis there was out there on the internet. Because the internet had already gone through its first iteration of sites were bought and consolidated. And then you know, big media started to dip their toe in fantasy. But then there was this site, footballguys.com, that had these people like David Dodge, Joe Bryant, Doug Drennan, Moral Tremblay, Jason Wood, you know. Uh, and they had this message board, and the message board was the best place. The shark pool was the best place. Before there was Twitter, uh, the, the best place to find like people that were serious about talking about football, and like you know, people that were parsing sentences in beat writer articles. You know, people that were going to training camp practices and, and posting on the shark pool like everything they observed. You know, like this this offensive line was hurt at the end of the year last year. He looks great now. Like he's moving on that left ankle so well, which means he's going to be able to protect Drew Brees' blind side so much better this year, which means that he's going to be able to complete those deep throws now to Devery Henderson or whatever. Like, you know, you would find people that were talking about football and thinking about football the way you were, the sickness. Uh, and I just thought I'm going to – it was a proving ground, this message board. And, oh, my God, the moment that – Jason Wood would reply to something you you wrote or or you know again somebody from the football guys crew the staffers uh, and of course the secret here is that almost all the football guy staffers started out as members of the community and I thought I'm gonna write stuff and hopefully they'll notice it and eventually people will see that I'm good if I am and I'll get a chance. Uh, and I started doing scouting reports. And at that time, the the nexus between the draft and fantasy football was still very fuzzy. I think Matt Waldman and I both around the same time decided, I think the RSP may have predated it by year two, the Bloom 100. But basically this idea that you can marry 
draft analysis and seeing what's coming with a player and then seeing where they land and then you know, giving people useful information about somebody's short-term and long-term prospects based on everything you've observed and where they land and what you know about that team and so on. And I started writing the Bloom 100 and I started doing like in-depth scouting reports for running backs. This is around the, like the year that it was uh, the Cedric Benson, Cadillac, Williams, Ronnie Brown year. I think it'd be 2005. God, look back at that top 10. Ugh. Anyway, although the 2013 draft may have it, something on it yet. Oh, and, yeah. And the other thing was football guys had an opportunity for, I think it was $5 an hour. You could be one of their new stringers before there was you know, so many instant amazing news sites out there, including Twitter. You have to have an RSS feed that you would refresh, and you would you would crawl through it, scrape stories, and that was how a news a newswire was populated, and still at its essence like that. So you get a chance to sh like anything. This is where the working for free or working for a, a de minimis amount comes in, because you want to show an opportunity to show people that are gatekeepers that you're dependable. You know that you'll say. So I'll I'll take an aside and say this. I think there are two things that are most in demand uh, in the world. <laughs> One is being original. And I think Vonnegut wrote something about how whatever it is in the world that just comes so easy to you and other people say, that's, I don't know how you do that. Like, that's what you should do, or you should harness that. Being original is kind of like that for people. Like, reception perception, I think, is a terrific example of like, someone might say to you, how did you come up with reception perception? And you'd be like, I don't know. I just came up with it. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't like, you didn't do like a magic spell or an incantation right. or something. You're just like, you looked at it. And this is one of those things where you, people ask for advice, like real useful advice, create something that you wish was out there. Yes. Uh, that's I mean, start there. And for me, it was yeah. the bloom 100 and scouting reports that were with the lens towards fantasy football. And I even, I used to walk to work 15 minutes each way when I would go to UT I would work at UT, and I would often visualize daydream things. And I think it's this is hugely important. I think it's I think football players would talk about this. I think any athletes would talk about this. I think most people would talk about this. And I would visualize getting a um, a private message called private messages at the football guys message board from Joe Bryant. And I would even dictate it in my head, you know, and be like, you can hear it in Joe's voice, right, Matt? Like, hey, buddy, you know, see what you've been doing out there in the shark pool? It's really good. I wonder if you'd be interested in joining up with football guys. You think you'd be a great member of the team? How's that sound? You know? Uh, yeah. And one day, there it was. There it was in my PM inbox. Um, I think that now you might need to be a little bit more aggressive about letting people know your intentions or your your goals. But I do think that the bottom line of that part of my story is you have to show it first before you get paid, before you get recognized before you get the opportunities that you're working towards, you have to be willing to show it first. And that means working for free or working on your extra time when you get home from your day job. And this is where, you know, um, significant others and people really help us because to get to that extra layer, you to get to that extra spot, you have to steal time from other parts of your life at first. Um, and you have to be willing to accept that this first part is to find out if you have something that's going to last and a place in the industry that is yours. Uh, and you don't get to find that out up front. Um, and I think that if you, this is another tip I give to a lot of people do work that the work is in and of itself, the reward, right? You like doing it. Like, like 
I'll ask you this. Still, I'll ask you this. I'll turn this around on you, Matt. Like when you sit down to like do reception perception on someone now, like you're gonna go do, you know, Will Fuller or something. Do you like does this get your juices flowing? Do you still like doing it? Oh yeah, I mean, of course, I wouldn't do it if I didn't. Yeah. You know, love doing it. You know, and then halfway through, you're you're watching a guy, and and you know, especially if it's somebody you haven't you haven't seen anybody else talk about, and you get that like you get that rush, and you know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's exhilarating. It's it's like it's life affirming, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. So for sure. So if you get if you can do that, then the work is its own reward, and where it leads, or what you get paid, or who notices it, or how many people read it, or if it gets retweeted, or whatever, that's all secondary. And I'm very informed by Buddhism and a lot of things in my life. And I think there's a very strong uh, reinforcement if you go through your life and you take stock of it, that when you release your desires, when you're not outcome-oriented in your thinking and you live in the name of joy of participation, you know, just I, I just feel so lucky that I get to be part of this. I went to India in 2008 and you see the glimmer in everybody's eye there even people in like the poorest of the poor poorest of the poor people in the world still are informed by this idea of how lucky am i to be this in this place and time at all you know i think there's a line from neutral milk hotel like what like how how strange it is to be anything at all or something like that you know like just this idea that i will derive everything i need from a spiritual, emotional, psychological standpoint, just by I'm in the closing credits of the, the story of the universe. I'm in there. And then everything else starts to come if you do things in the name of the joy of participation, in the name of the work is its own reward. The next thing you know, and I think your story is a really tremendous example of this, Matt, because I know that you you didn't set out without ambition, but you never, at, you, at least in our interactions, which started very early on, Never once did I sense that you were thinking, well, if I do this, what am I going to get out of it? You know, uh, that kind of thinking can work. Being a shameless self-promoter and really doing everything through a lens of like, well, how will this help me eventually get to my goal? That can work. And for those people that are wired that way, then by all means proceed that way. But I'm not. And my story, I think, has more to do with doing the work because you love it. And then the the real goals you have, you just start to sort of magically move towards them while you're keeping your head down and doing your work and and really enjoying so again like oh i can talk to daniel like if i get daniel jeremiah to notice this no 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 it's like i really enjoy conversing with all the people in my community and then that's all of a sudden like all of a sudden you're networking now right yeah like i hate that word networking because it makes it sound like it's strategic Nah, just enjoy people just enjoy the opportunity to share something with another human soul that is of mutual interest and things will start to happen. Yeah, I think, and that actually kind of, in a way that almost like contradicts one of the things we were saying earlier that, you know, not everything means something, but I think that when I look back on, on my, you know, career now, I guess you can, you can call it uh, even before it was a career. I do, I do have like very specific interactions along the way that, did mean something or I learned something from, but like you said, it was never within it. You know, you never go into it with an intention of like, Oh yeah. Now Sigmund Bloom is, you know, is replying to me. I'm going to, you know, get him to somehow promote something that I've done or I'm going to now use this. It really is like do it because you love it. And I mean, you talk about reception perception. It's like, if I wasn't doing this because 
people liked it, I would still be doing it. You know, like exactly. This, this exactly. was this this was what like what the hell else am I supposed to do? You know. And and another thing that is a common piece of advice I'll give to people who ask about this, and I think a lot of this, and I think what's really valuable what you're doing here, Matt, and I think you basically alluded to it, is all of this applies to everything. It doesn't just oh, apply yeah. to fa- football or fantasy football world. It applies to everything. Um, when you <clears throat> when you when you come forward in the spirit of passion, enthusiasm, positivity, again, like human connection, it's a, it's an attractive quality. I mean, it's it, it draws people to your work. And again, like I'm not saying I always joke. So we're, you, you said we're allowed to curse, right? I always joke with everybody that I'm going to write a top 10. Maybe Joe Bryan, I will collaborate on it. Uh, top 10 selling New York Times uh, nonfiction book about business. And it's going to just be titled, Give a Shit. <laughs> That's the big secret. That's the big secret of success. Give a shit. And you could imagine like, uh, you know, corporate training seminars are like, let's talk about our give a shit initiatives for 2016. You know, like every time somebody actually replies to an email within 10 minutes, they're going to get a little turd. And if you get 25 turds, you're going to get a button. Like that's what (laughs) they would do. That's what they would do with that. Right. But it's not something you can fake. It's not something you can, you know, um, get by following steps. You either give a shit or you don't. Right. So you're either genuinely enthusiastic. You're genuinely passionate. You're genuinely uh, positive about something. And that will draw people. It's not a strategy. So whether it's football or anything like that, there's a layer here of self-awareness and introspection and being able to detect, like, like I said, for me, it was what's something I do that could be work that um, doesn't feel like work. And I think another layer to this story is, and where I'm very fortunate, where I, Frank Zappa would say he didn't feel like he was good enough to be in his own band. And I look at you know people like you and other people like, um, the, God, the draft community, all this like third wave draft people, Whew, man, Eric Stoner, I'll just say Eric Stoner, and then everybody downstream from that, you know, the whole, all the draft mecha crew, so many, Justice Mosqueda, you know, where, um, I don't feel like I could, ha- I don't feel like I could break in right. Like, I don't know how my voice would stand out now. I was very lucky to start a draft site, to start doing draft fantasy football, uh, Nexus work at a time. And otherwise actually believe full hardish, full, in a full hearty way that I could make this into a job. I was really trying to fool myself into being a practicing attorney. I thought you can't actually be a fan full-time fantasy football analyst, not in 2007. Um, and I should say, let me say this. I have left out one of the most important parts of my story. In 2006, I was at a Black Crows concert. And this, this is all stuff that people tell me because I don't remember any of it. Um, there was a group of us that were waiting to cross the street after the show. And a drunk driver plowed into the crowd of us. I woke up in the hospital. I had a broken hand, leg, concussion. Um, my wife had a... Two twenty CLs and ankle, and my best friend Jeff Wilson had a brain injury that uh, killed him. And it was a moment where I realized you can't wait for life to roll out a red carpet. You cannot wait until it's safe. You cannot wait until it's easy. You have to start making the life you want to have for yourself now.
And I had to live it in that classic way that people say, like, you might be standing on the side of the road and get hit by a bus. You never know. It happens, people. Mm. I'm here to tell you that. It does happen. And um, I, you know, I, I, I had that kick in the ass. Um, but I hope that other people don't have to wait to wake up in the hospital to realize that. Uh, so anyway, I quit my job after that. I quit my job at UT. That was really what gave me the, the, the impetus. Like, what am I waiting for? Like, what, like, if I'm waiting for something, if I'm waiting for a sign, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what more significant sign am I ever going to have? Uh, but I really, I think, tried to talk myself into doing it because I thought, well, this isn't going to work. It's silly. I'll give myself a year and then I'll just practice law and be a real adult. And because I did it before it was obvious that it could become a profession or it was going to be something that was going to grow. I mean, now you hear people talk about fantasy football. It's becoming like the golf of business where like it's a way that you, it's a handshake where if you play in a fantasy football league with people, it creates these avenues to other things. That wasn't true in 2007. So I was very fortunate. And now in the draft world, um, I can, you know, coast basically. I don't want to say coast because it makes it like I'm not putting much effort into it. But this idea that because I jumped out when I did, there's a certain amount of um, credibility that comes with that. So I think there also has to be a bit of fearlessness or at the very least saying yes to something when you're not even sure what you're saying yes to yet. Uh, if you wait until other people show that it's possible and easy and, and achievable, then it's the bar is a lot higher. If you're willing to put yourself out there before it's obvious, then the rewards become a lot bigger and you also get a chance to do the work that is the work that really comes from your center. Because I think you might see a lot of analysis, Matt, where people are saying, like, how do I get into this industry? Like, as if there's a, a, a playbook, like, do these 20 things. And maybe that will work, but then you're going to have the career of, like, some generic stock person in the industry. If you want to have the career that you will flourish in, that the work you do is the work you're the very best at, and that you contribute something to the community and conversation that only you can contribute, you have to be willing to do things that you don't know if it's going to work. You don't know if you're going to fall flat on your face. You don't know if you're just going to be laughed as like the dream where you're like giving the speech and you're in your underwear. You know, I think we've all had moments when we realize, look down, and we're on underwear. That's a whole other podcast we could start. Yeah, it really is, and, and I think that was that's that was a lot of really good points in there. That I think people could take away from you know, and there's some there's some parallels in there to, to my journey for sure, which I'm, I'm going to try to sparse out throughout this. I'm not going right, to talk. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to talk. Hangers. Next yeah, week, right. Matt yeah. tells you about how he got Charlie, <laughs> which really was, I mean, of all the turning points in my career, that was <laughs> Charlie's here in his, in his shame corner too, by the way, cause I'm ignoring mm. him. But um, yeah, I, I've posted the vine before. If when he goes under the record player, uh, that's where he is right now. He's looking at me very, very shamefully. Uh, but anyways, so I think that what you, like what you mentioned about just, you know, not waiting for, for life is, is, is really important. Putting yourself out there, like, like, like I said, there's some parallels to, to my journey in there. And it becomes apparent that like, you know, don't wait, just, you know, it, it, what, what better time than now? Like there, there is no, I don't know, putting things off is such a, it's so counterintuitive to success, I guess, in, in my mind, like 
your like time is is always you're always losing time like we're all like every passing second is another lost opportunity you know so i think that that's a really good point um and yeah, no, I think you hit on a lot of really important stuff there. And, and we kind of can start to, to wind this down a little bit. Yeah. We've gone, you know, a little, a little close to the hour here. But, yeah, no, so, I mean, any other parting shots, you know, pieces of advice, uh, that sort of thing, you know, you would want to convey to the audience before we get out of here? I guess um, if you're listening to this show and you're part of our community already, you probably this is going over a lot of ground you probably heard us talk about it if not tangentially, like there's been other shows I've been on where I've gotten questions like this and talked about it. Um, I, I think that, again, one of the things that I will hit upon is, and this is something that I will mention in passing a lot, uh, I think the biggest mistake, and everything that I say, let me say this, anytime I was I, like th this kind of advice, it's, all, it's always directed back at myself. You know, oh yeah, myself. absolutely. Always absolutely. reminding myself of these things. Um, well, actually, let me step back. One other thing I will add is that the kind of person I am, and those of you that are my Facebook friends or otherwise have gleaned a little of this from what I say, like where I am politically and ideologically, corporate, corporate mission statements and things like that were kind of uh, anathema to me. Like, ugh. you know, you've already heard me mention, like, right, this is why I think cor the corporate world would do with the Give a Shit Initiative. Um, but the idea of having something that you can boil down what you're about to like two or three sentences, it's actually important because you're going to hit a lot of forks in the road. And again, this has to do with life too. You're going to hit a lot of forks in the road. And this goes back to what you're saying, like not everything has meaning or my idea about over-intellectualizing things and getting off path, off the track. Um, when you get to these, having a few base values. So when we started Draft Guys, our core values were I'm sorry, our core values were breaking down barriers between fans and the game, coverage for the thinking fan, and all glory to the game. Always, It's always about the game. It's always about the people in the game. It's never about us. It's never about our work. You know, It's not like, hey, thanks for Brandon Marshall. It's like, yeah, I'm so great that I saw Brandon Marshall. It's like, no, right. thanks, Brandon Marshall. You know, thanks, Alan Robinson, who's like your buddy now. You guys are like, you know, doing chest pumps and stuff, right? <laughs> like, not it's not about Matt Harmon. It's about Alan Robinson. Let's celebrate Alan. Don't celebrate me. Absolutely. Or, or like you said, the Joe Bryan thing. Like, let's celebrate you. Like, it, it couldn't have been just Alan Robinson who won your championship. If you won your championship, it was you, not me. So gl glory to those people. And having those kinds of things really guide you. Like, and, and I mean, it can't be manufactured. Like, what are you really about? And having a clear sense of that when you start out is very important for not constantly getting bogged down at every opportunity you get. You know, you and I have had conversations, private conversations about opportunities, and you can drive your, you can spin yourself into the ground. Like, should I do it or should I not do it? There's this, there's this. When you have a clear sense of your values and like where you head, what you want, those decisions just make themselves for you. The other thing I'll say is this the biggest mistake that people make, when I say people, I mean myself too. We don't ask each other for help nearly enough. Uh, it's not, you're not weak if you need help. Uh, I do think that our American rugged individualism has created this idea that we all have to do it all by ourselves. And everything we do, like, we, like you know, think about the, the myth, and I will say myth of football players, right? He did this all himself. Yeah, really? No. Yeah, right. No, that's not true for anybody. I mean, if you're if you were born a feral human, 
out in the wilderness and you learned on your own how to find the you know plants that wouldn't make you die when you ate them and how to hunt and kill animals for your food and create your own shelter and which like, only drink running purified water if you drink standing water you're going to get sick my cats know that does charlie know that i bet charlie doesn't know that i bet charlie will just yeah, Charlie's not very smart. He'll drink. No. He'll drink the dirty puddle water off the yeah. off the street. So, That's, so, so my point is, unless you can tell that story about yourself, we've we're all standing on the shoulders of other people, and that's okay because it's what we do together. Now, it's Matt Harmon's reception perception, but the story, what this podcast is about, is there's a you pull back the curtain, and everybody's story has all of these people that it would not be possible without. And then you look at each one of those people, and their story has all of these people that it would not be possible without. All the way back you know, to infinity. Um, so ask for help. So involve yourself in each other's lives, because I think we can all say on the flip side of that, when somebody asks you for help, they're doing you the favor because it allows you to have a meaningful moment in someone's life. Like it's so much more important than like, I checked this thing off my to-do list today that somebody is like, ah, my car is broken down and I really need, I know it's a pain, but can you come and get me? And you know, and you're like, I've got something to do, but I can move it. Sure. The feeling of that is one of the greatest feelings that we can get in our lives. So whether it's professionally or personally, um, reach out to people because I do think that when we all look back on this and I look at the fantasy football community and the football community and what we've created, um, it really is about the human connection. All the stuff that we get obsessed and worked up about and get the sickness about is the means but it's the human connection that we're all always craving and you and all the people surrounding us in the industry and the great gift and privileges. And this goes back to what you're saying about the audience too. Like we serve, serve the audience. It is a privilege to serve this audience. The audience of this podcast I know is going to be a subset of our audience and we truly are nothing without y'all now like matt said i would still probably do a podcast if nobody listened to it because i like to hear the sound of my own voice but for us to have this opportunity to do what we're doing it does not happen without the audience it does not happen without your generosity so we always want to you always want to be thinking of it that way like thank you um you know, not thank me for the work that I'm doing. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. And in that spirit of like mutual, I go back to like do the right thing. It's one of my favorite, favorite movies. That scene like Giancarlo Esposito and Spike Lee are like, you the man, no, you the man, no, you the man, no, you the man. Like we want to find those moments in our life. We're like, you're the man, no, you're the man, no, you're the man. And those moments are signposts that will guide us uh, to the places we're supposed to be. Community, man, it's the it's the most important you know thing in 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 our personal lives, our professional lives, especially when it comes to uh, the football world. And and football Twitter is a great example of that. And and just the branches of the tree, I think you, you that's a great point as well. Um, so we'll end it on here for episode one of the Backyard Banter podcast. I want to thank Sigmund Bloom for coming on. Uh, you know, this was a, this was like I said, the perfect place to start was you know where my where one of one of my journey, uh, one of the key figures of my journey was to was to start here, and I think people will definitely appreciate your perspective. So um, you can find Sigmund on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom. Uh, you know, you can find his work at Football Guys, The Audible, On the Couch, uh, On the Couch. Just now, new episode with Josh Norris. Um, I will say, On the Couch is like the key, one of the key figures of my story. I remember, right. I remember like being back when I was fat and trying to not be fat like being on an exercise bike like when i was a 
junior in college. Um, and I remember like seeing Matt Williamson tweet out that he was on the show on the couch and, and, and pulling it up and like hearing be like, Oh my God, this guy, these guys, this is how I want to think about football. So, you know, check out on the couch. If, if you don't, if for some reason you're listening to this and you don't listen to that, you should definitely do that. But, um, anyways, so going forward, uh, you know, I'll try to do like maybe one of these a week, every other week, depending on when I can get a guest, uh, you know, throughout the off season, I'm hoping to get an audio version on iTunes. I need to actually figure out how to do any of that stuff. Um, if you can see, I'm, I'm, I'm guiding myself through the wilderness here, but so be a lot of different avenues. You can listen to this and, and definitely make sure to, you know, follow the podcast at the backyardbanter.com. That's where I'll put everything up there. So uh, for Sigmund, I'm Matt. Thanks a lot for listening. And I hope you learned something today.